Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Sally Christensen, founder and CEO of the women's workwear brand Argent. I wanted to ask Sally about how fashion's move toward casual has affected the sale of suits and what her slow and steady approach to fundraising has meant for the growth of her four-year-old company. That's next. Hey, Sally. Welcome. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. We are both in our matching suits. Not matching. In suits. Yes. If they were matching, that'd be great. I I was thinking that when I knew you were coming this morning that I was putting on a suit and I was like, I didn't even plan it. We're going to talk suits today and more. Makes me so happy. (laughs) Tell me about Argent. It's not just suits. It's workwear, workwear inspired. How do you describe it? Yeah, exactly. So uh, workwear, it's um, really redefining the what workwear looks like. So it's about versatility and style. And like for the first time, I feel like we're using color in a really interesting way. And function is a big one for us. So giving women more out of products that historically they haven't even gotten pockets in, you know? So um, that's how I would describe us, is really trying to make workwear accessible and enjoyable. Got it. I interviewed you recently for a Digiday Magazine story on kind of the death of workwear or the traditional idea of workwear, I would call it. Um, Can you tell me where it was, like the state of workwear that really inspired this brand? Yeah, that article is great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, uh, so my background is in business. I have a really, like, unexpected path getting to Argent, I would say. Uh, So before this, I was working in tech at Cisco. I was working in the cloud group. I've always been frustrated with shopping for workwear, though. I've worked across different industries in different cities. I worked in banking and um, Chicago. I was in South Carolina for a bit. I was in Germany for a bit. And then in San Francisco at Cisco. I've always, it's always been this constant pain point, like finding anything that I enjoy wearing. And these were different, kind of called for different dress codes, you know, to be honest. So um, it was always in the back of my head. I didn't think I'd actually start it. And then in 2015, I read a study that showed that women are judged based on appearance. Yep. They quantify the impact of what you wear on your bottom line over your lifetime. It ends up being really significant. It ends up being a 20 to 40% difference on your income, your own personal income, how much money you take home. And uh, that was the catalyst for me. I read that and was like, okay, see ya, corporate world. <laughs> you are justifying my shopping <laughs> habit right now. <laughs> I, I, there are a lot of studies that support just putting a, a small investment. It will pay dividends for sure. And so I just saw an opportunity to come in and like actually make workwear fun, make it enjoyable, make it accessible and allow women to really focus on work um, and and bring their most confident selves to the workplace. Yes. Talk to me about you launched in San Francisco, right? Yes. Yes. So I feel like San Francisco, uh, home of tech bros, hoodies, (laughs) tees, dressed down, I would say. Um, Was it I don't know, a difficult environment? Are women still dressing up um, in comparison to the men or what was going on? Yeah, so I think that the issue of what to wear to work um, in light of the shift towards a more casual workplace was more pervasive in Silicon Valley is what I saw because, I mean, it's definitely an extreme version of casual. You've got hoodies and jeans happening left and right. You've got Mark Zuckerberg is like the poster child for that. And there's no female equivalent, really. And so my experience with that, with that was that women were trying to emulate what men were wearing as a result of that. And that wasn't them at their most confident. Yep. And that's, that's the underlying issue is it's not you at your most confident. You're not showing up with your shoulders back. You're in your head about what you're wearing. And on top of that, people are noticing sort of all of that 
you know, um, and it's affecting your career trajectory. So I think that was a huge part of the reason I wanted to start Argent and I wanted to start it in San Francisco. So we started both in New York and San Francisco. We've always been co-located. We've manufactured here since day one. We've always had our designs, design team here, designs done here um, because I wanted, you know, that nod towards the fashion world. Um, But uh, San Francisco, I think, uh, really helped inspire our mission in a lot of ways. And, And our goal is to help sort of set the tone of what's, you know, acceptable, appropriate, and and makes you feel great for somewhere like Silicon Valley. Yeah. So would you say um, not just about um, kind of giving women the confidence they need, there there were different standards. In terms of expectations? Expectations, absolutely. I think so. I mean, I think that's that's the case with (laughs) women for everything, unfortunately. Um, But I think that's exactly right. Uh, There's something called confirmation bias, too. And so what I was seeing oftentimes is that a lot of people are expecting women to underperform compared to men. And so if you do anything that reinforces that assumption, um, then someone immediately discredits what the message that you're saying, the work that you're doing, whatever it is. And so why give them that opportunity? Um, So it it felt like that was happening a lot, unfortunately, with some some of the women that I was seeing. Definitely. So 2016, uh, you were already because of the tech guys, seeing the, the transition, the casualization of fashion, of workwear. Um, I don't know, do, is that at all a threat that as things become uh, more casual, the athleisure inspiration kind of seeps in? Uh, what does that mean for you? Yeah, for, oh, that's a great question. Yeah, so for us, it's about um, comfort, for sure. Like, we've definitely seen a response to our effort to make work wear as comfortable as possible. Um, things like what you're wearing, you know, stretch in all of our fabrics, or um, we have a, a pant that's the flex waist trouser that has like an elastic band in the back that allows you to move and maybe eat a big lunch and like, you know. Um, <laughs> um, so a lot of our a lot of our fabrics are sourced from uh, mills that you wouldn't traditionally source from for workwear. Okay. Stroller being one, I know we've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a mill that a lot of athletic brands source from and a lot of um, technical apparel companies source from. Yep. And the reaction from our customer base has been quite strong for awesome. sure to that. Awesome. So there's more comfort. There's maybe an elastic waistband. Uh, there's more pockets for functionality. Is that pretty sums it up? Yeah, the functional elements. Um, so I think the performance of the fabric is a piece of that. And then we really start with our customers. I feel like that was such a miss is that no one was talking to the customers at all. And every woman that I talked to hates, like hated workwear yes. when I quit Cisco. Hated friends across different work environments, different companies, different everything. Um, it was a shared pain point. Yep. We conducted a survey. We interviewed um, women and we heard things like shopping for workwear is the bane of my existence. I hate it. Like, you know, like really strong visceral reactions. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, I mean, I unfortunately think that it's historically been perceived as like an unsexy category in the world yeah. of fashion. And it's been a check the box of like, a, we offer a pencil skirt and we offer a blazer every season and women are really happy with that, you yeah. know, and let, let's focus on what's more fun. And that's been such a miss. It's like this massive category 
it's a totally ignored consumer. And so um, just with starting Arjun, it was all about talking to the customer and figuring out a way to ensure that that line of communication was always open. And that has become part of our process. So that's a huge part of the data that we feed into our design process. Um, it's just what the customer wants and, and that's where functionality was really born from, I would say. Yeah. Who do you consider your competitor? I know when I went from <laughs> being a stylist in St. Louis to having kind of a corporate job in Chicago, I didn't have any suits, workwear. I like, I went to J. Crew and just like got the boring button down blouses and like the things that you don't love buying, but you need. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But then, you know, there are, are other kind of, uh, direct to consumer brands that are launching and. Uh, I've seen a lot of kind of this is your the work where you need and it's just it's more like a set or like step by step the five pieces. Um, how what's the differentiator and who are your competitors? So I from a competitive landscape perspective, I would say what we're offering is truly unique and that's what sets us apart. That's what makes us special. Our primary marketer like marketing tool is word of mouth. Women are on the street getting stopped because. The clothes are really special. Like, they're just elements about them that are eye-catching. And then on top of that, they're holding up in their blazers and, like, showing off the pockets. Yep. uh, Which has really become iconic for us, the interior design of the blazers, pocket for your phone and credit card, pins, tampon, lip gloss, whatever you need. Yay. Women (laughs) women love pockets. Women love pockets. (laughs) Um, So I honestly think that there's... What we're offering is definitely unique. I think if you're talking about workwear um, in the broader sense, like Ann Taylor is generally what people think of. Um, theory, a lot of women are are coming to us from theory. Yeah. And uh, the reaction is just my favorite ever. Like, it's just, you know, this is what I've always wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can throw out all my existing suits. I can donate them. Um, and then I think from a price point perspective, we actually landed in a in a hole in the market. So um, did some competitive like landscape mapping and looked at low end, high end and high, high end. And there was a gap in the price range that we landed in. So for us, like around $300 for a blazer, around $200, $250 for a pant. For this quality, like you cannot find that because we're direct to consumer. All of our fabrics are sourced from Italy and France and, you know, Japan, like really, really nice fabrics um, made in Manhattan as I mentioned earlier so um, I don't, it's hard to say I, I truly don't think anyone's doing what we're doing but yes. is it important to kind of guide your shopper I, I love online where you have your style guide where you kind of show how to wear it casually and medium fancy in the power suit I think of some of your suits it's definitely a like statement power suit um, but then like I know for me if I get a bright colorful suit maybe at first thought not the versatility is like a black suit. I won't wear it maybe as much. Uh, maybe it's a one-hit wonder or once-in-a-while wonder. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I have a couple answers for that. So one, we have different customers. Some come in and know exactly what they want, but we definitely want to make it easy for them to shop. And if they aren't that person, we want to be able you know, to just sort of handhold them through the process and make it as easy as possible and remove the amount of time that it takes for them to navigate our store, our website, whatever it is. And then in terms of versatility, so all of our pieces truly can be mixed and matched with denim. So uh, wear a jean with a blazer, um, throw on a denim jacket, whatever it is, but you can really make it more casual. And we've had women wear the pieces outside of work as well, but we really don't like to talk about that as much. It really is intended to just solve work and work only. Yep. Um, and then in terms of bold pieces, 
we get asked this a lot. So one of our like most iconic customers is you, I feel like most people know is Hillary Clinton. Um, amazing. And she <laughs> she's she's the best. Um, but she rewears pieces that are really really statement pieces, and I think that sends the right message for women. Um, we've got uh, you know for example a basket weave jacquard blazer that is. I mean, it is a bold pattern, and she'll. She went to London for a weekend. She wore that for three events, and I awesome. think I think that in light of what's happening around fashion and the environment, its impact on the environment, I think that's the right message. I also think that men can get away with that, and historically, women haven't been able to. And I think if you own it, no one actually really notices, to be yep. honest. Um, and you kind of make it your thing. And we have some customers that do that, and that's actually what we stand behind. So. Um, that's what I'll say to bold pieces, but we do, we're known for the bold pieces. We're definitely known for like the hot pink suits, you know, et cetera. But we have your basic black Navy suits as well. We just layer it with love. So like, they're just little pops of like fun details that make them a little more exciting than your traditional suits. Nice. Talk about Hillary as an influencer. (laughs) What does that do for your brand (laughs) when she's out wearing it? Yeah. So I think we've been so fortunate to have the quote-unquote influencers that we do. Like, we have women from Hollywood and tech and, like, CEOs and Hillary Clinton and, politi- you know, Kamala Harris. Uh, they've all been super supportive of the brand. And I think, like, what it really highlights is how underserved the market is. Yeah. It's an underserved market for women at all levels. You know, women have been frustrated for forever that no one's thought of them. Like Hillary Clinton's been on the record as complaining about not getting pockets in her clothing, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, Hello. here you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've definitely been, uh, fortunate in terms of the following that we have. And I also think it speaks to the brand. Like our brand exists to inspire boldness, to inspire, um, an attitude of sort of an unapologetic attitude, we are a community that exists when you show up to the workplace and maybe you're facing some adversity that's invisible, but we're there, you know, right. like, and so, um, it's been, it's been surreal, honestly, to have the support that we have from the women that we have. Uh, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's awesome. There, many are discovering you because of, like you said, the kind of lack of what's out there. Are you gifting as well? What's going on? We don't really, yeah. uh, gift as much. So we're, um, we probably have like three customers we've ever gifted to in our lives. Um, it's not part of our formula. So we feel like, first of all, when I say influencer, I think I have to clarify, like our influencers are women who are showing up to like Accenture and JP Morgan, you know? Um, and sometimes like, sometimes it's to negotiate a contract in Hollywood, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but our influencers are like movers and shakers and like women that are just powerful. Yeah. Um, and so we have always felt like paying customers are our most most authentic influencers because they genuinely want to be wearing the product and we don't want to get in the trap of like gifting and that just sort of disappearing and it not be doing anything for us. Yes. So we're not we're not really known for gifting. Yeah. Are you calling that out on your Instagram or how would you describe your Instagram strategy? Because for me it seems kind of um, inspiring. You get some facts in there that kind of stir you up as a woman going that's bs yes <laughs> but tell me about your strategy yeah so uh we've been really brand focused and from early on that was one of the first exercises that we did is like who are we what do we stand for what's our vision what's our mission what's our tone um i felt like there was such a 
such a void around working women. Like, no one's talking to them. And all of the visual collateral that was geared towards them was really, for lack of a better word, like, basic. And it showed soft models. It was not the equivalent of what I saw as, like, successful women. And I wanted to show that in a brand. So our brand really is about boldness. And I think you see that on our Instagram. It's about awareness of the fact that, like, gender inequality very much exists today. It takes fighting a little bit more. It takes like pushing a little bit more. Everyone's going to tell you to ask for that salary, but how do we make that actually actionable? And so we're really trying to educate women as much as possible to make them successful in navigating the workforce and navigating their careers. So, um, yeah, it's about education and just, uh, I don't know, keeping it fun. Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing to advertise? Are you putting a lot of money into Facebook, Instagram? Is that working? <laughs> Nothing yet. Um, we are just gearing up on, yeah, Facebook spin and, and Instagram spin. We haven't historically done anything. It literally has been word of mouth. So Stop. We, <laughs> we've had great press. We've had great uh, influencers. I think that we've been really tight in terms of our point of view. Like we haven't changed, you know, our, our tone hasn't changed. Our visuals have changed just a little bit. Yep. Um, but it all, it's all pretty much been in the same place working towards the same goal, which is to be the workwear authority, uh, but also to like really help women in their careers. And so we host workshops that are intended to like educate women around, negotiating or financial literacy planning training, some things as basic as headshots. But we do um, we do a lot just trying to help change, you know, women's place in, in the workforce. Totally. Would you say where an, an investment has proven worth it because you're getting great press? Is it PR? Where- uh, yeah. So I think in terms of brand building and in terms of marketing, PR is definitely a, a great support tool. I think having a product that you're proud of that customers are excited to talk about is huge. Um, I think for us, we do have physical locations. And so those have been hugely helpful for us. Women want to shop for tailored pieces in person. That's how we acquire our customers. Our repurchase rate is really high. They're coming back online. But that's that's a really important acquisition channel for us. Um, So we do have locations in New York, D.C., L.A., and San Francisco right now um, with the goal of expanding so I think what's, that's the, what's the plan for expansion oh that's a good idea uh, good <laughs> question <laughs> i'm like oh i can't answer that i'll have people that get mad at me we get requests every day for like different locations but i think we'll um we'll get into a couple of new markets so probably chicago boston dallas seattle who am i forgetting that's four <laughs> i'm doing the math and it's the idea just going where your where your customer is yeah, 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 yeah. Philly. We'll do another New York location. New York's a huge market. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I have big aspirations for physical locations. Nice. What is that? What has um, gone into that, or what does that require? Have you? Have you? Are you looking for more investment? What's been your fundraising strategy so far? I am definitely lighter on the fundraising side. I like to be scrappy. I think that that drives like a better. I think you're smarter with your money. If you have it, you spend it. I've seen it a million times. I also think that it um, drives more authenticity into the brand. And so we've been forced to build this, like, from scratch, you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff has been really hands-on. And I've never cleaned so many toilets or, like, driven so many <laughs> U-Hauls or assembled so many racks, whatever. But I think that's really what it takes. You have to learn the business from the bottom up. You have to learn it with the customer. And you iterate on it. So, like, we've made mistakes, you know, um, but we learn from them. And if you 
do it in a thoughtful way. Nothing's fatal. And so, you know, you grow, um, you can grow organically in a way that I think has longer promise and, and more longevity. Fundraising wise, um, we ra- raised a round from friends, like an angel round, essentially. Okay. Um, always targeting strategic investors. So we raised a little over $2 million, um, And then we raised a $4 million seed round uh, a little over a year ago. Okay. So fundraising is coming. Yeah, potentially. So uh, we have some runway always. Um, but I think now... It's figuring out how we want to structure that. So we've always been really methodical in terms of who we've taken money from, making sure that it's the right partner. Uh, when it was angel investors, making sure that they add value to the business in some way. And so I, I don't, <laughs> I'm like an entrepreneur at heart. So it's always about breaking things and it's never following the traditional path. I mean, I've told, I've been told I can't do things that I've done successfully at Argent. So. Yeah. F you. Um, right <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yes, we will raise another round in the fall of this year, most likely. Uh, it's figuring out how much, how big we want to size it and, and how we want to structure it, who we want to raise from. Yes. There's concern of going too big too fast. Oh, I think so many companies have made that mistake. The There are two things that happen. So one is... You want to leave as many options open to yourself in terms of in the form of an exit. Not that I want to exit this at all. I want to grow this and yeah, this is the workwear destination. Like this is the big opportunity, right? Um, and we're doing it. Uh, but I think that what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is the more money you take, the more commitments that you make, the more hand like uh, handcuffed you are to fewer exit options and they'll like your investors will block you from really lucrative outcomes potentially for yourself for your team and maybe even for them but they're investing against like a 10x promise to their investors and so I've seen that happen a lot of times yep uh and so high valuations and lots of money doesn't necessarily mean success for everyone and so I don't know that just gives me anxiety it's like not the way that I (laughs) approach fundraising yep uh and so for me it's always been about ensuring that we have options. And I think that's like, that's something that every entrepreneur should be aware of. Yeah. And profitability over revenue, is that everything for you? Or talk talk about that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think that that's traditionally been my approach. Um, I think that I've always wanted to build a business that really has substance. It's not about dumping tons of money into marketing. It's about really being able to support the growth. So it's about being able to support our hiring and like all of our vendors that we bring on, just making sure that that profitability is there. Uh, and that let's say I'm not able to raise money, like we can keep going. Yeah. And it's just slower growth, obviously, because you don't have tons of money, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm atypical in that way. I go, and I go back and forth too, because I'm like, God, it would be so much fun to just do all of these things. <laughs> so seems smart and practical. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I think longevity is my goal. Like my goal isn't to raise a ton of money over like three years and then get out, you yeah. know, like my goal is to build a company that really changes things. Yep. So you can do it. <laughs> yes. We're doing it. <laughs> can you share What can you tell me about growth so far? Um, let's see. Um, it's positive, very positive. I don't share our numbers. Um, but I will definitely say that what we're offering has resonated and there's a massive market for it. And we're seeing that. And so for us, it's about, we've been managing our growth intentionally, uh, to make sure we can keep up with it. Yeah. 
to this year will be a big year for us. It already is. Great. What's happening in store? Do you find it necessary to kind of provide an experience? You did mention maybe courses or workshops. Um, and I think you have stylists in-house. What's going on? Yeah, so um, we have stylists that work with customers. Um, we have events that we host that are all themed. So okay. those are huge. I think for me, like from a mission perspective, those are the most important thing that we do. And I, I am working on a way, and I think that I've figured it out. It just takes time to scale that. Yep. Um, how do we give content to women that really is like actionable and meaningful? And how do we give these women tools? And I think that workwear itself is a tool. Like I think it's a really important tool. Um, but thinking beyond that. Uh, and then we're also, we have a lot of women who just want to introduce their community to Argent. So they'll host private shopping events. Those are really successful for us. Oh, great. Um, so yeah, our physical locations are really just our brand brought to life and you know it gives you an experience I don't know that's exciting but yeah. office related which is <laughs> almost incongruous to most people <laughs> did you start with pop-ups was that the kind of step one always yeah yeah we always had physical locations so we threw up a website that was like really tragic day one <laughs> um our first day of selling actually this is like still my favorite day in Argent's history was at the Watermark Women's Conference yes uh which is uh, a conference it's about six eight thousand women maybe it, you have they get really great keynote speakers. They have breakout sessions. Um, women are coming from you know, the corporate world primarily. Yeah, they've carved out a day in their calendar. They're there, and generally, like there are booths there, but there it's like Pfizer's there, and like you know, <laughs> like if, and J.P. Morgan and whoever Cisco has a booth and Target has a booth, and so I was like, why don't we pop up there? So we so smart finagled our way into that event, and we created this really beautiful experience. It was a one day event. It, that first day of selling, it was uh, twenty five thousand dollars in sales. So stop. Yeah, so that I, was you'll great. Be going back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do go back there every year, but I think that was just such validation. Like yeah. that was we were literally unwrapping clothing from the factory like it was insane I hadn't seen some of the final like production pieces of the product so um, oh, great. Th those are successful for us women's conferences great have you tested wholesale partnerships at all no I like that you asked that though we um probably no surprise but just wanted to control brand experience as much as possible and like every touch point I'm obsessive about it like I'm a typical founder I guess in that way but now I think we have our arms around it like we have a brand deck that is really clear in terms of our point of view. We show up, and I think it's been so consistent. People really understand Argent. Uh, and so now we're starting to talk to uh, a couple of places, primarily Nordstrom's. Um, yep. So they've been after us for a couple of years. So I think that we may end up doing something with them at some point. Nice. Negotiate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they I'm want trying. you bad. <laughs> awesome. Um, Tell me about uh, Made in the U.S. You said Manhattan. Um, are, is that a struggle um, to kind of maintain that? And, yeah, what does that mean for you? Yeah, so a lot of it was about um, time to market, honestly, and, like, not really knowing what demand would look like when we first launched and learning the process again. I, I just think that's so important. And so in 20—so I quit Cisco in 2015. 2015 is when we met our manufacturing partner that we still work with, um, our primary one. We have a couple now. Uh, but I remember going in there, and it was just dead. I mean, yeah. there was, like, nobody manufacturing in New York. So um, we were able to form a really great relationship with them, um, pr probably partially based on that. Yep. Um, and it allowed us a level of control. So anything that was popular, like, we could— make I mean we can make things probably within a week yeah 
and I want that muscle. So it was really about having that muscle. And then um, just being in the U.S. felt right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So Definitely. Um, yeah. When somebody places an order on your site, are they getting it? Is it important that they're getting it maybe in two days? How, how fast do they want it? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, same day, thanks, right? Thanks, Amazon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People will email us after an order if they haven't gotten it in three days and be like, I haven't gotten this order yet. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but like, that's crazy. Uh, we try and get it to we try and get it out as quickly as possible. I'm obsessive about customer experience. So I, I'm like unrealistic like customers, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, it, there's definitely a demand for like same day, yeah. get it into my arms. I'm sure. You uh, you mentioned kind of serving customers. Customer service, uh, is that, talk to me about who's who's running that show. Yeah, so our COO oversees that. Um, I am heavily involved in customer service still. It's yeah. my favorite. My, my career path somehow always fell in like client services, customer service sort of roles. Uh, and so I just think I naturally am really comfortable there. And it's also where you learn everything. Yeah. And so I'm always just sort of checking in because I think that's where you learn if you have any issues with your product, if there are any issues with fit, um, what are women really happy with, like what's resonating. I think that comfort piece we talked about, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we get feedback from customers that we then integrate into our product innovation and so we had a customer write in and say I wear glasses and when I wear a suit oftentimes I don't have a surface to clean my glasses you know my lenses with yeah and so we put microfiber in one of our exterior pockets so you can pop it out and clean the lenses with that nice so little things like that but like those are huge you know and women love that like I love that because I wear glasses so um yes I'm I'm pretty involved with customer service still I just love it I can't help myself (laughs) (laughs) what else talk about the rest of your team what does it look like uh how many members what are some maybe crucial or important roles uh recent hires yeah, so we are by coast- I just met your husband. <laughs> Part <laughs> of the team. is leading marketing. Uh, we're bi-coastal, as I mentioned. So we're based in L.A. and in New York. Um, and then we have our retail teams, obviously. Design and production are out of New York. Uh, backgrounds, generally speaking, in like high-end and luxury fashion. Yep. Re- like really, really awesome aesthetic and experience. And then um, L.A. is marketing... Uh, operations, me, you know, finance, kind of a little bit of everything. Yep. Um, And then in terms of growth, I think that we'll continue building out our marketing team. That's a big uh, initiative for us right now because we really are looking at marketing. It's like we've proven product market fit. Yep. We've proven brand. We've established brand. Now it's about acquisition and awareness. Yeah. Are you considering anything maybe outside the box, whether it's direct mail or what are you thinking? We're, uh, we've got... Uh, direct mail lined up but outside I, I, that I feel like is less outside of the box what we're doing there more outside of the box we've got a lot of partnerships lined up that I think are really interesting oh great we've uh, no surprise but said no to a lot historically like to the point that it definitely compromises revenue and bottom line but don't care because we haven't compromised brand right and I think the second you compromise brand through the form of discounts or partnerships that just like take you to the wrong place you can't really like regain what you had with a customer ever like it's a one-time thing um and maybe i'm extreme on that but i really just don't i don't think there's room to negotiate there and so we this year are now in a place where i'm like i know who the right partners are for us they're totally unexpected 
and I'm very excited. And that's about all I can share right now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I think this year will be really fun for us in terms of partnerships. That's what that'll be the unexpected marketing channel. Great. How would you describe who would make a, a fitting partner, whether they share the same values and maybe probably allow you to reach a new audience? Uh, values, new audience, shared audience. Yep. Impact for us is helpful, obviously. Um, and partnerships, you mean collaborators, collaborations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I don't. I don't mean traditional partnerships. I think yeah. if you think about our space in general, it's. And yes, I'm biased. I find it to be the most exciting space. Like yeah. we are literally talking about what you're doing five days a week, sometimes six, seven days a week. We're owning the office, and so like, what are interesting partnerships for that woman? Very different, probably, than a traditional brand would be. You know. Yep. So, are you seeing demand for custom suiting? Yes. Yeah. And we have done that a couple of times. We have some executives that we've worked with and we've done some custom pieces for. I don't know how scalable that is, but we have, yeah, we've seen some demand for it. And wedding wedding suits, actually. We've uh, made a couple of wedding suits. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so collaborations, uh, more retail. What else can we look forward to? Uh, who? Uh, what other celeb will be wearing you? Uh, <laughs> no, what's going on? Uh, the year ahead. Um. Yeah, I think uh, so. We're doing a lot of marketing initiatives. I mentioned hiring, continuing to grow the team. That's one of the hardest things I think to get right is like hiring a little bit ahead of growth. Yes, and pipelining way ahead of your needs. So uh, I'm shifting gears back to that a little bit, and then we'll probably be fundraising again towards the end of the year. Great. Are you doing collections, seasonal collections? Are you rolling out new product all the time? Uh, we've changed that. So we started more traditionally and we're like two seasons, you know, two collections a year and this, that, and the other. And now it's much looser. Yep. Uh, we're probably releasing product every six weeks. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's more recent. That really is like this year. Um, and towards the end of last year, we just learned that that works better for our customer. Yep. Our attention span, like, isn't, you know, but it's, it's quick. <laughs> like she wants, you know, newness and um, give it up. We've we've figured that out, and so we design under a more traditional cadence, but we release product on a different cadence. That makes sense. What else do you know about your customer? Then we'll call it a day. Uh, she's awesome. Um, <laughs> she's powerful. <laughs> she's a badass. She's changing the world. <laughs> um, she's time constrained. I think is the biggest one. Uh, ambitious imperfect which I think is really important to reinforce through our marketing like showing the fact that women and men were all imperfect because I think women women especially that were just held to like such a high standard and there's so much pressure to show up and just present really well and so for us it's about showing the fact that we're like pulling push doors you know or whatever pushing pull doors whichever one it is (laughs) (laughs) who knows (laughs) body slamming a pull door um Family oriented, um, maybe settling into like a managerial role for the first time. Definitely influential in the workplace. Uh, a lot of new workforce entrants are looking up to this woman, um, but she has an executive audience as well. She's on, she's on a track that she's like excited to be on. Um, I think one thing that really differentiates our brand is that we aren't really all about like aspiring to be you know, in the corner office or whatever, because we recognize that not everyone wants that. Yeah. So um, for us, it's it's women who are at different stages of their career, um, but crushing it in their own way and and finding more fulfillment in their jobs. Yeah. Put on your suit. Yeah. In the world. (laughs) (laughs) I want that corner office. I don't know about these other girls. (laughs) 
So some women do, and we're dressing them too. But I just think that um, not everyone does. I mean, we've hired people that are like, I don't want to manage people. Yeah. I just want to show up. I want to get home to my kids, you know? And, and that's totally acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So. Thanks so much, Sally. So fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.